Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I refuse to use, no doubt, starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for... August the 19th, in the year of our Lord, 2021, this is our one of two, and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law, the land, the Constitution for the United States of America as our guide, and absolutely we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers. What are the great peaceful restorative solutions we absolutely still never forget. We still have at our fingertips. We reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. This is our 25th year in broadcasting. Nationally syndicated, if you will, ladies and gentlemen. An incredible milestone, to say the least. Tearing it up, telling the tale of life, liberty, and property, and God, family, and country as we do six days a week. Two hours a day, live on your radio on the Sabbath, we rest. Welcome to LibertyRoundTable.com, LovingLiberty.net, our nationally syndicated radio network. At LovingLiberty.net, you can get our iPhone and our Android apps. They're free for live and on-demand radio at your fingertips. Donations are just a click away. Every penny you give us will be used to grow our presence in the media. Welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live. A quick recap of yesterday's broadcast is in order. We had our guest on, Mr. James Edwards, with us, who talks about race, politics, and hypocrisy in the 21st century. ThePoliticalCessPool.org, he wrote a book called Racism, Schmacism, just saying, hey, if you're white, they're going to call you a racist. He was one of the early realists on that. He really focused on that. And, you know, James is not a racist, ladies and gentlemen. He does advocate for his white European heritage. He has every right to do so. That doesn't mean he downs any other race. Doesn't mean he hates any other peoples under the sun, but he does believe that his heritage is important, his southern heritage, his European heritage. And I happen to agree that he has every right to have that view. In fact, I'm white and have the same view that, you know what, I want to celebrate my heritage. And I encourage every other race on the planet to celebrate their godly heritage as well, their history. There's nothing wrong with celebrating our own histories, folks. And there's nothing wrong with the, the differences in our histories and our heritages. Okay? When can we all just start to realize we're all of the human race, God's race? We're all the children of Almighty God. Let's start to act like it, and the sooner the better, shall we? All right, we talked about the Afghanistan falls to the Taliban, results in a 20-year failure. We're going to get into that a whole lot more today, too, with Eldon Stahl, our um, esteemed co-host, coming up here in minutes. We also talked about China, China to recognize the Taliban. Wow. So we can't recognize Taiwan because we're too wimpy, but yet the communist Chinese can recognize the Taliban, huh? Straight out of the gate, terrorists, straight up. Wow. All right. Sadly, the U.S. moral high ground, completely gone in the United States as we are a war-like people. The United States has shown time and time and time again that it's nation-building Policies are an absolute abject failure. <laughs> Look, we have no business building nations, folks. It is not the role of the United States. National Security Advisor, guy's name is Jake Sullivan. He's whacked out as all get out, but he started the discussion, and now they're admitting more and more and more military hardware, including 
Black Hawk helicopters and everything else, more and more military equipment has fallen into the hands of the Taliban. We literally left billions of dollars of firearms, and, and we've armed the Afghan Taliban to the teeth, ladies and gentlemen. Now, they want to blame that on Joe. I don't think that's fair. Let's blame it on both sides of the aisle for decades in the making as they hawkishly pro promote war in the military-industrial complex everywhere we go, and they've done it for decades, haven't they? Shame on them all, and shame on the Republicans trying to hand this to the, Demo the Democrats. They're all guilty of sin on this one, ladies and gentlemen. I'll tell you that right now. That was hour one of Liberty Roundtable Live yesterday. Hour two, we talked about Matt Walsh spoke at a recent Nashville school board gathering, and he issued a scathing rebuke of their child mask policy. He said, listen, our kids are wearing muzzles all day like rabid dogs. It's insane. There's no proof that the, that the uh, masks are successful or valuable. Ladies and gentlemen, he calls it child abuse. And I basically believe he's right. Good for Matt Walsh standing up. Um, <clears throat> poor, uh, uh, what's her name? <clears throat> Country singer. She got beat up, slaughtered for even liking uh, his rant. Oh, um shoot anyway she went american idol whatever her name is can't think of her rip the key to the side of your ford whatever that song is she sings anyway I'll, I'll think of it and it'll come to me anyway hospitals they say are buckling under the pressure of the delta surge everybody's going to the hospital the problem is they've lost so much credibility on this hospital discussion it's beyond imagination every time they tell us hospitals are overrun people go there take photos citizen journalists and everything else ghost towns now, are the hospitals overwhelmed in certain parts? I'm sure they are, ladies and gentlemen. The COVID's serious. The Delta variant is certainly virulent, virulent, whatever word you want to use. Okay, no doubt. But you know what? This idea that um, we're going to just say, all you got to do is have the vaccine. Oh, my gosh, everybody's going to the hospital. Why don't we talk about and work on and provide solutions so that people don't need to go to the hospital in the first place? What about ivermectin? What about hydroxychloroquine? What about some of these other solutions? Vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, and many of these other solutions. What about oxygen uh, opportunities so people can go on oxygen? We made a big old takeover of the government, force everyone to develop ventilators. Now to have a big who knows where the ventilators went discussion. Then they lie about the hospitals. Their credibility is in crisis, ladies and gentlemen, as they push for the third dose of a vaccine. Well, if the first dose doesn't work, the second dose doesn't work, the third dose surely will. Or will we need a fourth dose? How safe is that? How effective is that really? They don't want to answer the question. They just say they're safe and effective, even though the FDA has not proven such at all. They're under emergency experimental use mode now, ladies and gentlemen, and they're trying to use the third jab. Are you kidding me right now? Texas Governor Greg Abbott whacked out as he is. He got all vaccinated up and everything else, and then he got the COVID virus right after he got vaccinated. Yeah, he, they say he's going to be isolated in the governor's mansion to be treated for his illness, but he's experiencing no symptoms. Why would you be receiving medical treatment if you're not experiencing any symptoms, ladies and gentlemen? How stupid am I, huh? The United States to recommend the booster shots after eight months. So how really, uh, when we say effective, what does effective mean? If you get a shot, then 30 days later you get another shot, and then uh, you know a few months after that it's not very effective, the the effectiveness drops through the roof or drops to the floor from like 95 percent they claim they lie but they claim that all the way down to 40 50 percent how 
I can flip a coin after eight months and do better without a vaccine, can't I? In fact, if I get the coronavirus and I don't take the vaccine and I develop natural immunities, how long do those natural immunities last compared to the vaccination man-made kind of, quote, immunities, huh? Huh? They're not talking about that, are they? Why? Why? The unvaccinated, ladies and gentlemen, are not selfish or ignorant. Here's why I'm not vaxxed. It's an opinion written by Suri um, Kinsberger. And it's a great article from a liberal that I normally wouldn't even agree with. But you know what? They're making a point now. Even liberals are coming out and going, hey, man, you know what? (laughs) I don't know about these vaccines. I don't know how safe and effective they are. This is a risk-reward analysis. Everybody should be able to decide for themselves. Well, amen to that. We've been saying that for over a year and a half. They say you'll need to mask up on U.S. planes until 2022, though. Yeah, the uh, it was going to expire September 13th. They've extended the forced government mandate over the airline industry. Shame on them. Ladies and gentlemen, no one should be forced to get these shots. This is your decision and needs to be your decision alone. We also finished up by talking about please spread the word on Walkout Wednesday. Visit walkoutwednesday.net to learn more. You say, what is Walkout Wednesday? It's an idea that at noon on Wednesdays, you can walk out of your business for lunch or your place of school or wherever you are, where they're trying to mandate vaccinations and say, listen, it doesn't matter whether I'm for or against vaccinations. I'm standing in solidarity with people to be able to have their own choice and not be forced by government or by school or education or business forcing people to take vaccinations. This is a very personal decision of the conscience, decision of the body. Where are the my body, my choice people now, huh? I ask you that. Anyway, that's a recap of yesterday's broadcast. Still available online at libertyroundtable.com and lovingliberty.net. Spread the word. Share the love. Will you please? Without further ado, Eldon Stahl with me, field coordinator for the John Birch Society and more. Dear friend and co-host, welcome back, sir. Oh, thank you. It's great to be back and uh, great to hear your voice. What do you think of the big old rant, man? A lot of topics there, huh? There is a lot going on. It seems like it's uh, it's hard to keep track sometimes of everything that's uh, going on. The people that uh, seem to want to undermine our liberties are in uh, in high gear. So we need to be very vigilant, don't we? Yes, we do. Money, I think, is a critical issue right now as we spend ourselves into oblivion over Afghanistan. Now we're pulling out, giving them a bunch of military hardware, and, 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 and now we can't even protect our people as we try to get 15-plus thousand people uh, to flee that country after our 20-year disaster. We'll talk about that in detail with Eldon Stahl. We'll talk about Honest Money with Brian Rust and Eldon coming up here in just a minute. We'll talk about uh, the coronavirus, what that's, that's all doing, and the lockdowns that they're trying to put on us. We want to talk a little bit about climate change because they're wrapping that all into the mix as well. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a hodgepodge, but whether it's the Taliban tyranny uh, in foreign nations that we claim we want to prevent or whether it's the coronavirus tyrannical thugs in america trying to steal your rights trying to force you to vaccinate force you to have some kind of a certificate of vaccination in america what's worse fighting the taliban or fighting the vaccine ban wow kind of strange discussions Mm. aren't they eldon stall with me brian rust coming up as well you are listening to Liberty Roundtable Live. Oh, 
Okay, girls, about finished with your lesson on money. Daddy, what is a buy-sell spread for gold coins? Well, when you sell a gold coin to a coin shop that's worth, say, $1,200, you don't actually get $1,200. But don't worry, we're members of UPMA now, so we don't have to worry about that. Daddy, what if some of my seals are gold? We don't have any gold at the house. It's stored safely in the UPMA vault, securely and insured. But the S&P 500 outperformed gold. Daddy, gold is a bad investment. Some people do think of it that way, but actually gold is money. And as members of the United Precious Metals Association, we can use our gold at any store, just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into mommy and daddy's bank account because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org. Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's going to do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen, Sam Bushman, Eldon Stahl, Brian Rush, RushCreditGift.com. Welcome back to Liberty Roundtable Live, sir. It's been a while, and thanks for your patience. Well, thanks for having me on, Sam. It's good to be back with you, and we're glad you're back on the air. Yeah, they haven't killed me yet, sir. Come on. <laughs> right. Uh, all right, I want to I want to talk about honest money. We haven't had an honest money update for quite some time. Uh, where are we at in terms of gold? Uh, the paper market on gold right now is seventeen eighty nine fifty. Seventeen eighty nine fifty. Correct. And that's usually considered spot, right? That's right. Seventeen eighty nine fifty in that spot, ladies and gentlemen. And I want you to understand that because you know when you hear spot, you think it's like the legitimate real value of the metal. But it's not at all, as Brian's pointing out. It's, it's, it's basically paper trading stuff. They post a number, but when you really take possession of a, a lot different story, and that's kind of the discussion point. Let's look at silver, Brian. Uh, silver, 23.50. And that's down quite a bit, right? At least in terms uh, of... Yeah, uh, it's, you know, yeah, it's, it's been coming off a little bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, last couple of weeks it was 25 50 and you know we go back and it's yeah it was 26 27 20, you know we were pushing over 30 dollars so let's talk about it now 20. so i can get myself one of them brand new 2021 united states minted silver eagle silver dollars for about 23.50 right uh nope you can't no <laughs> what? What? no 
<laughs> yeah, those things are. Uh, I think they're they're running around the thirty six dollar range. Thirty six bucks for a twenty three dollar value on paper coin that on the front of it says a dollar, right? Correct. Y'all need to go ahead and help me help me understand all that, ladies and gentlemen. It says a dollar. <laughs> they claim the spot price of it's like twenty three bucks, but it still takes me thirty six bucks to get my hands on one of those babies if I take delivery. Eldon, what do you say to that? Doesn't make any sense. Isn't the government kind of the uh, the master of fraud? They seem to be, don't Ooh, they? Boy, howdy, does that put it in perspective, Brian? Yeah, I think uh, you hit it right there. I mean, in, in America, the biggest aren't we the world reserve currency and the world reserve banking system, and and so goes it with the decline of uh, America. So yields its. Uh, currency right yes yeah, very very concerning for sure um as far as i understand now we're even having government and others admitting that man crypto's a scam they had a big old crypto scam the other day where a bunch of crypto got stolen and then people were like oh my gosh i can't believe you stole this can you please give our crypto back <laughs> did you see this <laughs> I didn't see it, no. Did you see this, Ellen? I didn't see it, no. They, <laughs> huh. <laughs> they literally lost a big old bunch of crypto, man, and they're like, oh, my gosh. Can you please give this crypto back and stuff? We can't have this big, massive amount of crypto stolen. And I'm just thinking, are you kidding oh, me boy. right now? But it, it just goes to show, ladies oh. and gentlemen, this crypto isn't what you know you think that it is. Okay, this crypto is nothing but a fiat currency, just like your fake dollar. And, um, you know, people believe there's an open blockchain where you can see all the transactions and it's an open, uh, you know, <clears throat> chain of, of transactions that are, that are um, public and controllable. There's still ways to manipulate and steal and take and, um, these cryptocurrencies, ladies and gentlemen. And um, let me be very clear. As the government backs into cryptocurrency, expect this to be kind of a... Um, what do you want to call it, Brian? Kind of a warning, a wake-up call, a reality check? Right on the onset, remember who's warning you. This isn't going to go well, Brian. Yeah, you know, I think you know, they, they're trying to, uh, well, whatever it may be, whether it's crypto or whatever other you know, payment of, of funds, basically. I mean, I think digital, they're trying to get us to a digital currency and, and perhaps even do away with cash. But you know, at that point, I mean, it's... You know, there again, that digital currency is very controlled, right? I mean, it can be very, can one minute you have it in your bank, the next minute you have nothing. Or, you know, just a lot of that kind of thing. Where metal, I mean, at least I have, I can walk down the street, make trades with this physical currency that I have, and uh, they don't like that. Eldon, do you want to chime in on this one? Well, it's, uh, it seems like there's there's so much going on that, we we get deceived into into buying into these things sometimes, and it's it's just not not so good, is it? It's disaster. So here's the headline that I was looking for. I didn't have it handy because I saw it and then I kind of laughed it off, but I wanted to grab it again. Here's what it says. Listen to this: six hundred million dollar cryptocurrency stolen by a hacker who is not so interested in money. <laughs> what the heck are we talking about? 
<laughs> yeah, they call it um, <laughs> they call it cross chain defy okay. network. Poly Network was the latest victim of hackers who have reportedly stolen six hundred million worth of cryptocurrencies, of which three hundred million were Ethereum Poly Network. They say they say the second interoperability protocol backed by the government was founded by the communist Chinese maker, blockchain maker Neo. And the clients of the company are Biden's, Ethereum, and Polygon. The company announced via Twitter, we're sorry to announce that a Poly Network was attacked. The team managed to identify three addresses where the money was transferred. They say, we call on miners of crypto exchanges to blacklist tokens coming for the addresses. Wait a minute. Hold on. Stop now. Stop. How dumb am I? I thought this thing was open source. You couldn't know where the money was coming from and going to. And I thought it was all like cool and transparent, but yet secure and safe. And nobody. Get, now they're saying we're just going to blacklist these three addresses. Hey, black all the tokens from these addresses. The addresses disclosed by the company showed that among the stolen assets, 2850 were either tokens amounting $267 million, or they were um, other coins. Anyway, <laughs> it goes on and on. But now they're literally telling you flat out, look, not only can we know where this comes from, we can flat out block the addresses where the tokens relate. Well, what happens if you have a big old bunch of uh, crypto, Brian? You're like a crypto richo, right? And, and all of a sudden right. they just decide that your addresses are... We're going to be non-tokenized addresses, my friend. How valuable is your cash, baby? <laughs> they just changed. That changed uh -oh. the, whole, the whole scenario, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's the term. Don't dip your toe in crypto, folks, because you're going to get ripped off, bro. Yeah, they dubbed, that it the biggest, they dubbed it the biggest crypto hack in history back in 2014 when these guys got beat like six years ago. People still don't learn their lessons, Alden. Eldon. Seems like. They they just yeah. Now, I, listen to this explanation. I, Check out this explanation. You ready? According to reports, they say the hack was possible on the coin swapping network. Listen to the reason. Because of a cryptography issue. Can you explain to me, um, Eldon, a cryptography issue? Um, no, that's uh, something I am not able to explain. <laughs> I don't know what a yeah. cryptocracy issue is. Got one of them issues. And let me explain the issue. The government's in control, and they're going to block my token addresses, the addresses that exchange my tokens. Therefore, I'm locked out of the pool. I've got my digital currency that is not exchangeable. Now, do you think I could go to the feds and say, please, please, um, pretty please, uh, uh, unlock my tokenization, please? Hmm. Seems like a lot of power to put into somebody's hands, doesn't it? Yeah. They're also then, I guess there's a way to inform them to not move the block coins so that they're not identified. So if you just hold them still, then people can't discover where they are. But if they move, you can find them, they claim. So now they're paying people to, let's just kind of, it's kind of like, you know, when you when you rob a bank, then you get done, <clears throat> you go ahead and bury all the cash, you go to jail. 
No one ever finds out where the cash is, but it's available when you get out. It's kind of like that, Brian. Well, there you go. So I, I thought the key to this uh, crypto was that no one could regulate it. It was out there. No one could really steal it, take it. I mean, you could lose it maybe, but you, no one could really take your... You know, that, that was the good thing about this is it was just it's so secure and no, no government, nobody knew. That's what I thought. Hmm. Now, here's the funny phrase at the end of this article. They basically say all these Bitcoin exchanges are going to go ahead and, or all these cryptocurrencies exchanges are going to go ahead and get involved and help out. They're going to really work on this together to get to the bottom of it, but no guarantees. You're listening to Liberty Roundtable Live. Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. Military leaders under the Biden administration were caught off guard when the Taliban overran Afghanistan in 11 days. General Mark Miley, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, on Wednesday. The time frame of a rapid collapse. That was widely estimated and ranged from weeks to months and even years following our departure. There was nothing that I or anyone else saw that indicated a collapse of this army and this government in 11 days. Miley also pledged to evacuate Afghans who have supported the U.S. military. President Trump weighs in on Newsmax TV Wednesday. Well, it's uh, inconceivable that anybody could be so incompetent, stupid, use any word you want to use. Uh, to imagine that you take out your military before you take out your U.S. citizens and uh, civilians and others that maybe helped us. USA Radio News. Nielsen says more than 30 million Americans are now tuning in to Newsmax TV. It's one of the biggest media stories. Newsmax is available on all major cable systems. And if you cut the cord and don't get cable, you can still get Newsmax. Find it on your smart TVs like Samsung, LG, and more. Just go to your smart TV channel guide or download the free Newsmax app. Newsmax also streams free on Roku, Zumo, Pluto, Amazon Fire, or TiVo. And 7 million people have the Newsmax app on on their smartphone. It takes seconds to download it on your phone, and there's no paywall or subscription. So watch Newsmax for breaking news anytime, anywhere. President Trump says Newsmax is really good, and Forbes calls Newsmax a news powerhouse. Find out why tens of millions of Americans are watching Newsmax TV and going to Newsmax.com for breaking news. It's a source you can trust. Newsmax is real news for real people. Speaking only to media ally ABC News on Wednesday, President Biden said U.S. troops may stay past the 31 August deadline to evacuate all Americans and allies from Afghanistan. We're going to do everything in our power to get all Americans out and our allies out. Depends on where we are and whether we can get ramp these numbers up to five to seven thousand a day coming out. If that's the case, they'll, be, they'll all be out. A President Obama-appointed federal judge in Alaska ruled against an oil drilling project in the state, arguing that the Interior Department did not adequately measure the true environmental impact of the project. In her opinion, Judge Sharon Gleason of the U.S. District Court of the District of Alaska argued that the Bureau excluded levels of greenhouse gas emissions in its environmental impact. The ConocoPhillips Willow Project was granted approval under President Trump and was backed by the Biden administration. Thanks for listening. We do appreciate it.
We are USA Radio News. All right, hard-hitting talk continues. Brian Rust, RustCoinandGift.com, with me talking about honest money. Eldon Stahl with us, field coordinator, John Burt's Society, doing a phenomenal job as always. TheNewAmerican.com as well. We're talking about cryptocurrencies. We're talking about the big scandal. A couple quick more points to make about this. So $600 million cryptocurrency was stolen by a hacker who's not even so interested in money, mocks the headline. Boy, howdy, is that reality check. They say they're going to blacklist the addresses and the uh, tokenization tied to those addresses so that, you know, you won't be able to move money around. And the hacker mocks them. He's like, I only took a little bit of money to show you guys that it could be done. I'll give some of it back, but have I ruined your project yet? And he kind of mocks them, uh, showing the, um, in my opinion, the Achilles uh, heel of this thing. Really showing that, you know what, you, you believe this stuff can't be hacked. You've been suckered right from the get-go. Believe you me, it's hackable. They don't even know who created the first Bitcoin stuff. They, they're like, mm, some secret engineer somewhere developed this thing. Don't worry, we don't know how it got created or anything else. But what we do know is it's safe and transparent and all good. And now hack after hack after hack, we're finding out that isn't the truth. It's a lie. Well, here's what I find even more fascinating about this thing. You ready? Uh, Eldon, I want you to respond, and then Brian will respond to this as well. On one hand, they want you to believe that they don't know who created the first Bitcoin or the first you know, equivalent of, of cryptocurrency. That, that person's anonymous, never to be found out. They can't know that. But they can know exactly what transactions you do and tie it to an IP address, tie it to an email address, and tie it to the tokenization of coins. They can track it all down to that to stop you from using your digital currency. But they can't really find out who started this whole thing there. To, do you believe all that, Eldon? That sounds uh, pretty incredible. Uh, I, how, how is that even possible? I don't know. Um, uh, you know, I I'm I guess we could talk about a lot of different subjects, but I find in my experience that there's plenty of people out there that take advantage of the ignorance of people, and they give a fancy sales pitch, and uh, they you know they get their money, they get their support for whatever idea or project they have. And it's to their detriment. All right, Brian, I want you to sign off on this, though. How can that be? They don't know who started it. You can't really identify who even created the whole thing. But yet, buddy, then they want you to believe it's safe and secure and provable. And then later it's like, hey, we can just we can just decide, Brian, no tokens for you, buddy. You're like it, it, it um, you know, what do they call that thing where you get those tokens and you run around and play games and stuff like that? Chuck E. Cheese? You're like at the Chuck E. Cheese yeah. Bitcoin deal here. You're at the crypto Chuck E. Cheese, and they're saying no tokens for you, Brian. Yeah, that doesn't seem fair. Uh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I need some tokens. Uh, you know, I want to play the game. But yeah, it, it seems like there's a lot of people to play the game. And it, you know, I think you know the writing was on the wall here a, a number of years back. There's a lot of people that made apparently a lot of money from from Bitcoin and and this, and and they went out and bought purchased big things, houses and big cars and all these things. And, and, uh, I think if I recall this right, they were, the government kind of stepped and said, Hey, I mean, uh, you got, where's the tax? There's some tax implications based on the amount of money you spent. Where'd you, where'd you make that money? Where'd you get that? And so they, people were, were, uh, IRS was biting at the bit to get that money 
back to them. So, and I think they had to pay some big, well, they made a lot of money, so they had to pay taxes on it. And, and I think the word basically was the fact of, well, no one knows, you can kind of do this, this is going to be a great thing, government can't get involved, it's all, you know, it's, it's out there, but no one sees it. Well, I don't think that was the case then, and I'm, obviously we're, not, we're saying it's not the case now. So what a, Now, Pete kinda... Seb of the National Taxpayers Union jumped on the radio with us just a couple of days ago with an alarming alert saying, you know what, ladies and gentlemen, they are going to tax us into oblivion. You think this infrastructure bill's big? You think that the uh, you know universal basic income is big? You think that they're talking about nine-plus trillion dollars of proposed potential spending both sides of the aisle engaged in this thing, and we better stop that fiasco fiasco uh, while we have the chance. And I'm convinced what they're going to do is they're going to back into this um, and ramp up the taxation, but they're also going to ramp up the um, IRS's, I don't know what you want to call it, involvement, and they're going to go after a lot of your savings accounts, a lot of your 401Ks, a lot of your whatever it be, cryptocurrency or whatever else you have your uh, assets in. They're going to go for broke and start freezing accounts and controlling a lot of these things. I'm convinced the crypto and the taxation and the IRS and all this will go into one big economic mix. Some are calling it the Jubilee or the reset, but I'm convinced that it, it's upon us. Brian, you've got global yeah. leaders like Klaus, whatever that wacko's name is, and some of these other people that are literally pushing for this stuff. Brian? Yeah, that's exactly right. I think, you know, and I think people, that's what people have been saying, or I've heard basically is, you know, what what's the underlying things that are coming as a result of this? Is that, you know, major taxation? I mean, one big, another big hit. Yeah, we'll give you money now, but we're coming after it. But, I, you know, uh, there's going to be some, you know, some payback, you know, and yeah, it, it, yeah I think I think it's, it's going to get ugly. Yeah, no doubt about it. That's why I think metals are important that uh, we have, you know, at least some protecting of some physical in our possession that can uh, offset our losses with the dollar and stocks and every other assets that paper driven. Uh, it seems to me, Brian, that right now what they're kind of saying is, look, come October surprise, that's coming up. Uh, you know, with the economic turmoil of um, number one failing uh, in Afghanistan uh, and inflation uh, raising its ugly head here at home, uh, you know what? We're we're starting to put in the blender a perfect financial storm. Do you think it's true? Yeah, I, I do. I think there I think there's some real issues coming ahead. I mean, there's no doubt about it. We're going to see some more than you know something bigger than we've seen before. You know, it seemed like, you know, the bell out of these banks, you know, what, you know, the money was to go in and, and uh, support a lot of these banks because of bad loans or all these other things. And we can't allow the banks, but man, we can, we can definitely take, we can destroy people. We can, we can put people under our thumb, but these big institutions seem to be continually growing bigger and bigger and uh, they get wealthier. But I think bottom line is it, it hurts a lot of the American people and, and in the, you know, doom and gloom, maybe. The big deal, Eldon Stahl, is this. You know, we all know that uh, fiat currencies fail. And we all know that every country, historically speaking, that ever has embraced a fiat fake money system eventually <laughs> eventually goes belly up over it. They eventually, you know what, buy the farm, whatever you want to say. They eventually melt down. Uh, and, you know, in America, people have been predicting the meltdown for literally over 100 years, and it has not happened to date. Assuredly, I believe that it will. 
The problem is this timing discussion. And on one hand, you have everybody telling you the sky is falling. It's going to melt down always. It's coming up. It's right around the corner. It's here. It's there. It's, they're, going to pull, they're going to pull the plug intentionally. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to. Uh, Joel Skousen and many others like myself say, you know what? I mean, I appreciate that you think that's going to happen, but they're not ready for that yet. And I don't know when. I think war will be the only time they'll admit to the, to the con game with the money system. Once we're in a war, it's like, hey, the war caused it. We couldn't help it and whatever. So they can escape uh, liability right. and responsibility for it. Uh, but uh, really, what do you think? Are we going to look at an August, uh, an October surprise? Are we gonna, is it going to tank on Joe's watch and give Joe the blame? Uh, is it going to last long? You know, what, what do you think is going to happen? It, it's really a crapshoot for discussion, except I think it's important in terms of a preparedness point of view. Yeah, you need to be prepared. Uh, need to, of course, uh, advocate for a, a return to sound money, because uh, that's the only thing that's really going to save save you from that consequence of the end. Uh, what happens, though, unfortunately, is uh, with kind of natural laws of uh, ed- economics and things and money, is the longer you delay the consequence, the worse it generally becomes when that finally happens. So that that's not really a comforting thought, probably for your listeners. But um, that's a, <laughs> that's kind of the uh, something to be aware of. One of the things, Brian, I think that's really important in this discussion is we don't know exactly when. And those who tell you they do know when and timing and this and that and this is coming and I mean, these are the guys that said Trump would be in the White House by now again, right? Okay, he's not. <laughs> exactly. He won't be. All right, so let's be very remember clear. Somebody saying that we don't have the timing. <laughs> we don't know the. We don't know everything. What we can do, though, is take what we don't know and set it aside. But we can take what we do know and apply it now. And that's really where I kind of want to uh, spend the rest of the the hour here focusing on. We can use what we know now and apply it real time to make a difference in our own lives, for our own individual situations, our families, our community, locally. You know, I don't know when they're going to pull the plug on the economy. But what I do know is this. Um, it isn't just a money discussion. What you want to do is look at your portfolio of stability and safety as part of it is money. Part of it is food. Part of it is shelter. Part of it is clothing and fuel. And okay, We need to look at this a little more holistically. And we need to say it doesn't matter when they pull the plug. Every day they don't is a good day that I can further my interests. I can further my stability. When we come back, let's have Brian and Eldon respond to this, because I really think this is where the rubber meets the road for you and I as Americans, as patriots, as God-fearing, freedom-loving Americans. You know what? We can improve our own situation in the land of the free, and while we have daylight, let's make hay, baby. Hang tight. Liberty Roundtable, live. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. 
the solution to so many of our problems at all times and in all places is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids. The Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man, but by God. The Foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? Please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing Foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various Foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3, founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. I want to dedicate this song to Mr. Rupert Murdoch. Eldon Stahl, Brian Rust, and Sam Bushman on your radio, ladies and gentlemen. Hard-hitting talk at your fingertips. So I maintain that you don't know when the economy is going to melt down. You don't know about an October surprise. We don't know about all those things, ladies and gentlemen. We are not prophets of God, and we can't predict these things. But we can insulate ourselves, and we can make choices that truly change the game on an individual and a family basis. Brian, let's start there. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great point. Uh, I kind of look at it like, you know, uh, common sense or um, preparations. That's kind of peace of mind, right? So a plan. And if, if, if my house is in order, my house is in order, for instance, and there's disasters or there's things that come up or collapse of our uh, dollar or, you know, our economy and all these things, you know, if, if my house is in order, then I'm in a good place. You know, I have peace of mind. I'm in a good place. And I'm, a, I'm a, a available to help and bless the lives of those around me because I'm in that place. And so I think that's the key. I think if we put our houses in order financially or, you know, in, 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 in all, you know, it was kind of like this COVID thing and all this. Everybody rushed to the stores to get the paper towels and the, clean, all the, the masks and the, the, the cleaning fluids and, you know, chemicals and all that stuff. But if I already have that in place and I'm there, I'm not rushing to the store. You know, I'm, I've I've got my house in order, and, I, and my neighbor, hey, I gosh, I can't get any Lysol. I can't get here. Let, here, let me help you. I got an extra can here. I've got you know, and that, I think that's what makes America great. Elton, you want to chime in? Well, I was uh, part of the Boy Scouts for a few years, you might say, and I do remember this motto that they had of being prepared, and uh, that's that's been a very beneficial thing to follow uh, the idea of being prepared that's uh, we, we've got to and part of that is is uh, knowing things being able to be aware of things but also just having what we need in case the need arises ladies and gentlemen I think preparedness is key and I one of the uh, let me give you an example I got the coronavirus almost died hospital two times <clears throat> It was very brutal. For the first 10 days, I did fine. Then it hit my lungs, and it went south from there, okay? And people would say to me, Sam, there's alternative treatments. You should know about them. If anybody should, you should. I know I get it. I, I understand all this. <clears throat> what I'm telling you, though, there's a big difference between knowing something fundamentally and being able to execute something. 
This is a really important kind of yeah. discussion to have, uh, ladies and gentlemen. So I knew that ivermectin and, and stuff like that was the answer for me. But I tried to get doctors to prescribe ivermectin. I couldn't find one that would. They're like, no. Mm-hmm. Then later they're like, oh, ivermectin only helps in the early part of your sickness. It won't do any good now. No, we can't do that. Oh, we don't know about that. Oh. So then you go down to the, to the you know, IFA or whatever, and you buy some horsey ivermectin. And then it's like, oh, man, this stuff's paste. How do I use this? And somebody's like, all you got to do is adjust it for your weight and put it in a nebulizer. Sam, that's all you got to do. And it's like, you know what? I'm so dang sick. I can't even sit up. What do you mean go get horsey thing and adjust it to my weight and put it in a nebulizer? Come on now. Uh, anyway, my, my whole around-the-barn discussion about this is it's all about preparedness. It's all about our contacts. It's all about developing our relationships and making sure we're prepared. So I failed, as many other Americans who are suffering failed. You've got to have the right knowledge, the right people around you with that knowledge, and the people willing to take action on your behalf. So it literally took me close to 20 days to find the right doctor, to get the right prescriptions, to get everything in line, to be able to carry out the solution that I full well knew existed. What was the problem? Can I blame it on the doctor? Can I blame it on everybody else around me? No. I got to blame it on Sam Bushman. I wasn't as ready and as prepared as I thought I was. I just thought, well, by golly, call a couple of doctor friends and voila, I'll be good to go. Even you call the frontline doctors, though, and it's five plus days before they even get back to you. Well, that's a lot of trouble breathing in five days, ladies and gentlemen. Believe you me. And so anyway, I bring this poignant example up, Brian, today uh, to make this point, whether it be money, whether it be food storage, whether it be medical capabilities or response, uh, this preparedness is one thing that I think we talk a lot about. And I think we think we're prepared, but we don't have time-tested solutions that have been, that have been tried and proven, I don't want to say in the battlefield, but you know what I'm saying, in, in real life. And that's where we need to start to spend our time. Yeah, I, I think you're right. You know, some of the issues too is the fact of we're it's a learning process. I mean, we you know who knew that this was going to come about, and it, you know it becomes a scary kind of uh, uh, situation because you know we as a people we kind of rely on our our, uh, our our governments and so on to make good choices, but sometimes you know it seems like some of these things that come about, like these viruses and so on, we don't get the truth from it, so we hear. We hear this, we hear this, and we're, we're pushed to and fro. We we're we're kind of clueless to what's even happening because we're getting both sides this and do this and this. It's kind of like the masks and all this other stuff. You know, we haven't had, this, you know, they've been saying the sky's falling all this time, and now we're supposed to 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 believe this, and we we don't believe that, and then this comes up. Anyway, besides that point, it it, it really kind of throws us in a in a situation where we're not prepared. I mean, no, no one was really prepared for this virus or how to, how to even go about it. And we couldn't get the information we really needed to, to perhaps prepare. And then the system is the system in place that can even help us get to that place. We have to go through the problem, like you did, that 20 days, the process. And so, yeah, it makes it, it becomes a kind of a scary thought, you know, um, for us. And, and uh, we're trying, I think, to do the best we can. But boy, there's a lot of fake stuff, fake news out there that doesn't really help and maybe that's their their idea is that you rely on us. We'll take care of you. 
you know, here's the vaccines now, and here's this. Just rely on us. Don't do it. Well, here's the interesting thing. Greg Abbott got his vaccine. He still got the coronavirus. Oh, don't worry. That's a very rare breakthrough. (laughs) Okay, so the Texas governor, just a rare scenario. Okay, got it. I'm with you. But then he's got these special treatments that Donald Trump got that cost like $15,000 plus. They're supposed to be these um, special treatments where you get these. um, I don't know exactly how it works, but it's like infusions of antibodies. Uh, against the yeah. COVID virus, and it's supposed to strengthen your immune system and help you recover quicker and everybody else. But none of that stuff's available to me and you, Eldon. None of it. Right. It's very expensive. Uh, that that makes it almost impossible for many to get it. And uh, it would be nice if we could. But, uh, yeah, hydroxychloroquine, how much does that stuff cost? It's it's just ridiculous amount. Yeah, 20, uh, 30 bucks, whatever. I don't know. Yeah, 20, 30 bucks, uh, you know. But... Good luck trying to get it. Um, somehow, the thing that's been around for 60, 70 years, whatever, is all of a sudden this verboten thing because of political issues. That's now, it. I find that interesting that the ivermectin that I finally got, it was a five-day um, prescription, whatever. You take these five little teeny pills for five days in a row. So 25 pills is what it was. Uh, came in little blister packs. I got that plus uh, some docycycline, which is a antibiotic to kind of help with with the other side of the coin there. Uh, with that, anyway, both prescriptions together cost like fifty eight dollars. <laughs> and now, I, you know, fifty eight bucks when you're about to die is pretty cheap, right? Pretty inexpensive. Yeah. yeah. But why are right. we running around saying the hospitals are overwhelmed? Get the vaccines, even though the vaccines have breakthrough. Whatever, da 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 da. Now we, we say that the vaccines, you got to have a third dose because they're not safe and effective. And you put all this together and you go, but no one, they're making it almost impossible. If I had been able to get ivermectin from the start, I wouldn't have gone to the hospital two times. Right, right. See, how come, where is the disconnect here? And at some point, you know, you can blame it on the Chinese virus, but at some point, you've got to hold American leaders, whether it be Fauci or Biden or Donald, or I don't know who, but at some point you got to hold our leaders responsible. How can we have that disconnect when people are literally dying and getting super sick and costing millions of dollars in unnecessary hospital stays and everything else? How do we have this disconnect almost two years later? Well, their agenda, isn't it? The, the agenda of that situation is, okay, well, okay, red tape. Let's just say red tape. Well, we've been told we can't really give this for... You know, you have to be, it's only for maybe the the high and mighty, perhaps, if you have the right card, maybe. Who knows? But it seems like it makes it awful hard. And that, you know, we're going to eliminate, yeah, people are going to die, and it's going to eliminate some of the population. That's the way it goes. Sorry. But, uh, yeah, you're not one of the ones that can have it. I, I don't know. I, it's, it's really ridiculous. Yeah, it's me. Eldon, you know, what do you what think? I was... at, at some point, there's an agenda here, but at some point, you're talking about criminal activity when you withhold these real solutions from people. Yeah, I I would say it uh, ranks as that. I remember learning about, you know, when, when somebody I, I uh, loved dearly, uh, she had uh, cancer. Um, I was reading, I got to learning about this uh, Back in the 70s, there was a, uh, I guess, a fight against, uh, oh, vitamin B17, Laetrile, whatever you want to call it. And I don't know the, you know, I'm not a 
expert on all that. But basically what happened is the government did all that they could to stop people from getting a very inexpensive way of addressing their cancer uh, in favor of things that are very expensive, which we're very familiar with, the chemo and the uh, surgery and uh, all of that. Um, similar thing seems like it's going on with this uh, uh, COVID. They want to push the stuff that's way expensive and uh, the stuff that's uh, just pretty simple that can be beneficial. They, they certainly have no interest in. All right, I got a parting headline for you, brother, and I want each of you to be able to respond to it in turn. Let's start with Brian. Brian Russ, listen to this. Deutsche Bank, pretty big bank, right? Deutsche Bank. Deutsche Bank warns of global time bomb coming due to rising inflation, CNBC with the piece. So you got now Deutsche Bank warning of a global time bomb coming due to inflation. Do you want to respond? Well, okay. Well, that's well, that's one bank. Where's all the other banks? Because yeah, it's uh, it, they all ought to be saying that and saying yeah, inflation's already here. I mean, shoot, uh, you know, it doesn't matter where I think you are, but I yeah, I mean, it's uh, where are all the other banks? It's rising inflation. That's interesting because that's where we're at. And they say a global time bomb. Uh, and what it reminds yeah. me of is a freight train of coming. Is there anything they can do to stop it, to slow it down, to mitigate the – I don't hear any of that in the article. I just hear that it's a coming, get ready, say economists. Well, do they throw these, do they throw the, these lines out there basically to scare and say, okay, what's our next thing? What Venezuela just came out and said, hey, we're going to have a new digital currency. So yeah. they're, they're, they're going to – they're pushing that out there. So is that the agenda? We scare saying, okay, there's a time bomb coming. We'll help save you, but we got to buy into this, this digital currency, or buy into this, or this. You know, it's, that's right. It's like the the vaccine. You, I mean, the vaccine. Boy, they could create that vaccine just like that and get it out there. But when we need, when we need help in getting maybe something that's not very expensive, like the the thing that's going to help you, the pill that's going, yeah. But boy, so here's the scare thought. So yeah, I, right. Ladies and gentlemen, all I'm telling you right now is if you believe that Venezuelan cryptocurrency is going to be your savior, (laughs) baby, (laughs) which would you rather have, U.S. cryptocurrency or Venezuelan cryptocurrency, Brian? That's right. There you go. I'll keep my Zimbabwe dollars. Elvis dollars, constitutional currency. That's right. Amen to that. Thank you, Brian. All right. Glad to be with you guys. Mm. It's so good to have our dear brother Brian Rush, RushCreditGift.com, back. Elder Stall stays with me, second hour, hard-hitting talk, always on your radio. For Brian Rust, Eldon Stall, and Sam Bushman, we declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America. the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. 
All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I refuse to use, no doubt, continues now. This is the broadcast for August 19th in the year of our Lord, 2021. This is our two of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Welcome to the broadcast. Last hour, Brian Rust, RustCoinandGift.com, doing a phenomenal job. We also have Eldon Stahl with us, field coordinator for the John Birch Society, JBS.org, and the NewAmerican.com, incredible websites in their own right, to say the least. A lot of great work there. We talked about the Honest Money Report last hour with uh, Brian. We talked about $600 million cryptocurrency stolen by a hacker not even interested in money. <laughs> wow. They call it a poly hack, crypto hack, whatever you want to say. There you have it. We talked about Deutsche Bank warns of global time bomb coming due to rising inflation. CNBC with that piece. Sounds like a doomsday or headline to say the least. Uh, but right at the end of the hour, Brian Rust brought this up. And I want to pick uh, Eldon's brain on this really quick. Here's what he said. Venezuela, they're promoting cryptocurrency now big time. That's their way out of the problems they kind of believe or claim or whatever. Venezuelan cryptocurrency. Wow. If that's not an unstable scenario, I don't know what is. But listen to this headline. Venezuelans, Eldon Stahl, can now buy crypto with their state stimulus checks, sir. <laughs> Oh, wow. That, that awesome? sounds like a great deal. Woo! Yeah. That, I mean, yeah, I wonder buddy. how much toilet paper you can buy with that. Uh, it's just, um, <laughs> <sighs> those, I, I mean, you know, they've debased their currency so badly. Uh, it's just, it's just scary. Anybody that's ever experienced that, thank goodness I have never experienced hyperinflation, but uh, anybody that's will tell you that uh, has been through that as uh, will tell you it's a, a terrible experience. Not nothing that you ever want to go through. And ladies and gentlemen, and, we don't mean to. I yeah. don't mean to laugh at this or make fun of it. I know if you live in Venezuela, it's a serious issue, and it's not. It's not funny at all. I, I understand that. The reason that I'm laughing, ladies and gentlemen, is when you come from a constitutional background as I do. And you believe that God ordains honest weights and measures in the Bible. And you learn that gold and silver has really lasted the test of time. Uh, of stable, intrinsic value, real, honest weights and measures and money. And you know that from a biblical perspective, from a Christian perspective. And then you understand that from a founding father-esque perspective where they researched it and came back to the same conclusion, which is you've got to have honest money. You've got to have... <clears throat> appropriate relationships of metals that have intrinsic value they hold their value better they have all the different properties necessary um, for the appropriate median of exchange can other things be used yes but not near as reliably not near as stably not near relating to the test of time that the constitutional currency does okay and then you hear all these patriots and all these people running around going yeah thank heavens we can escape the government do our own crypto it's all secure and safe and they're buying a pack of lies. And every one of these nations that have this instability in money have their origins of fake money in communism. All right, so Venezuelans, what is that, a flat-out communist country? Yep. Now buy crypto with government stimulus checks. Okay, now, <clears throat> aren't we kind of going down the same road? They're giving you stimulus yeah, checks seems... left and right and left and right. How long will it be until you can buy your U.S. digital currency? You can, you can have kind of a... It's kind of like pick your ice cream. 
uh, Eldon. I'm just going to go ahead and have the United States crypto oh. this time with this check. Next check, I'll do some Venezuelan. You know, it's like, what the heck are we <laughs> talking about? And then we expect somehow to come out of the other end of that, avoiding inflation, avoiding the ticking time bomb that literally Dutch, Deutsche Bank is warning about. I mean, it's insanity. It is. It is. And, uh, you know, I, I've got this little book. That I've cert- I always like to plug books, right? One is called Economics in One Lesson by Henry Hazlitt. Uh, excellent book. Uh, probably puts to shame who knows how many years of uh, bad economic teaching of uh, Keynesian economics that you'd ever get in uh, most colleges. A bunch of nonsense they fill your brain with about how the government can just create prosperity and all this stuff. It's uh, all, all these all these schemes. He just he just debunks very very well, very briefly. Um, and, and you know the currency stuff. That's that's basically from the same type of thinking that the government can just create wealth out of thin air. It can't. It doesn't have that power. There's nothing that the government can do to do that. Whether it's digital or paper or or what have you, um, we need honest money, and that's just how it is. Now let's uh, let's highlight this a little bit more uh, for people's education um, or understanding. This book that you mentioned, uh, "Economics in One Lesson," it's a little book. It's put out by the Mises Institute, right? Yep. Uh, and yep, very well uh, Henry done. Hazlitt wrote it. But this book's been out for a long time. What was he, 1894? Mm-hmm. 1993, that's when he lived, right? Uh, yeah, the book came out in, I think, 46, like right after the, um, right after World War II is when it came out. So he was reflecting, of course, a lot of what FDR did. Uh, but so many of the same schemes are going on nowadays that he addresses in the book. It just... Uh, helps you understand that, well, okay, we've got to consider all the different uh, um, consequences of something rather than just the immediate, the obvious consequence of some proposed uh, new economic hocus-pocus that the government decides, oh, this is a good idea and we can uh, benefit this or that special interest. Well, and the reason we bring up this book, ladies and gentlemen, even though it seems like an old book, it's a little book. Uh, at some point, some people might just think, oh, inconsequential, come on. Uh, you know. But this really has fundamental time-tested principles taught. And that's kind of the point here is that, you know what, you can take a little book like this. You can unlearn literally decades of wrong understanding regarding economics, regarding the free enterprise system, regarding our founding father-esque viewpoint of economies and why and how and what and who and where. You can boil it down. This book teaches these fundamental, simple principles that, again, have weathered the test of time, Eldon. Yeah, they definitely have. Uh, well, we're, uh, and some of the listeners may say, well, I'm not much of a reader, whatever. Uh, this book, it's quite an easy read, actually. It's not, you know, you think about economics, usually you think of something that's pretty uh, dull, boring, not uh, not appealing to read. Uh, this one, uh, it moves along pretty well. And you read it and you say, well, yeah, that's the same argument they're using nowadays. Uh, and you can see right through the arguments uh, very easily because you can uh, look and uh, the same principles apply to so many different things. It's just uh, repackaged type of uh, arguments that are used nowadays um, 
for this or that, you know, whether it's a farm subsidy or minimum wage or uh, making sure that the prices for um, uh, whatever commodity it is are have a, at a minimum to to benefit the producers. So uh, supposedly, all these different things, they just he he just blows into bits, and you're able to quickly recognize the the fault <laughs> in the, in the premises that they have in promoting these schemes. Well, and I, I want to basically be very clear about this book too. Number one, the book. Economics in One Lesson, Mises Institute put it out. Henry Hazlitt um, is the author. But this book uh, is tiny. You can get it used for just a couple of bucks. Uh, but not only is it a, a simple read to understand and get kind of an overview, it's worth reading two or three or four times because what you're doing is not only are you learning fundamentals, but you are unlearning false doctrines or false teachings about economics at the same time. And then you can also use this book quickly to look up something if you forget something or if you have a modern-day application of something relating to economies or enterprise or government or sp expenditures or you know savings or anything to do with kind of money transactions, you can remind yourself, wait, this is the principle. How does the modern reality fit into this? Uh, very, very educational on multiple fronts, uh, Eldon. It, it really is. It really is. It's just... Uh, um... I always recommend that one along with, of course, The Law by Bastier. That one's from mid-19th century, but um, they, they do go hand in hand. Uh, these are arguments used by socialists to try to get you to um, buy into their schemes of, of remaking society. And, uh, you know, economics is one of their ways they try to do that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have a break here in just a second. When we come back, though, I want to talk with Eldon uh, Stahl in detail about the U.S. has now armed the Taliban with the latest military hardware. I'm talking Black Hawk helicopters all the way through. While they want to disarm you and I from defending our homes, they want to go ahead and arm the Taliban. to. Well, they didn't want to go ahead. They've already done it. And on one hand, you want to blame Joe Biden, and the Republicans want to blame Joe. Oh, Joe blew it. No, no, no. They've all been accomplices to this, in my opinion, war crime for decades. And we're going to get into that with Eldon Stahl in just a minute after the break. Meanwhile, though, I want you to know that, you know, a lot of people listen to our uh, unlimited listen lines where you just dial a phone number. You can listen to the radio on your phone. Turn any phone into a radio. What I like to do is dial the line, put it on mute, put it on speakerphone. And, man, I've just got this killer cordless phone radio that I can cruise around my house with and listen anywhere, anytime. People are doing that in office buildings where they might not have good connectivity, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, anyway, the listen lines are very popular indeed, and we've had trouble over the years with the listen lines because they disconnect people and stuff like that, and we've never been able to really find out why. We talk to the company that provides them to us, and they claim it's the you know, phone companies across the, you know, the matrix, whether it be on uh, you know, the listener side or on the service side. Who knows? Well, I've got good news because we have upgraded our limited listen lines, our unlimited listen lines, and you can call from anywhere. All you got to do is dial 631-359-9366. The spirit of the American West is live and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues affecting the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today, and gift ideas like the 2021 Real Buckaroo Calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. 
Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. Well, my mom smokes and my dad smokes and I saw them smoking, so I tried it. They're telling me not to smoke, but they smoke themselves. When it comes to smoking, are you sending mixed signals? But when you teach someone a certain way to do things and you go back on that certain way, it sends mixed signals to the person that they're trying to teach. The parents need to be the example. Smoking. If you think you're old enough to start, you're smart enough to stop. A public service message from this station and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Being there with your child and being there for your child are two completely different things. One denotes a simple presence, which is a start, but can also be accomplished by someone other than you. Hey, can you help me with this algebra problem? See, that sheep did a fine job of being there with the child, but it didn't do a very good job of being there for the child. Now listen to the difference an involved parent can make. Hey, can you help me with this algebra problem? I'm not very good at algebra, but do you have any English questions? Because I done real good in English. <laughs> oh, Mom. Okay, let's take a look. Okay, so the algebra problem didn't get solved, but something better happened. Mom was there for her child, and when you're really there, they'll know how much you care. From the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. For more tips on strengthening your family, visit family.mormon.org. Eldon Stalin, Sam Bushman on your radio talking about all kinds of things on your radio, ladies and gentlemen. Economics in One Lesson, a book. Mises Institute. Henry Hazlitt wrote it. Incredible book for education on constitutional currencies and honest money and free markets and everything else under the sun. Simple one-lesson book. Boy, howdy, is it valuable. I also talked about our unlimited listen lines upgraded now. Call from anywhere. Um, you can listen from any phone this way. And hopefully um, what happened was the, we, they used to give us these free lines. And then uh, when the free lines, they would um, alter them. And so all of a sudden the numbers would change and all these different things would happen. Well, they now have introduced paid numbers. And so I paid for a number in hopes that it'll make it more stable, better listenable, uh, stable line, etc. So the number is 631-359-9366. And if anybody wants to email me, libertyroundtable at gmail.com, let me know if the numbers are more stable and better. We're really working on this. People have called us over and over and over about this over the last several years. We have not ignored you. And we have not dismissed it or not cared. It's a very complicated subject to resolve, technically speaking, for a variety of reasons. I mean, you've got a ton of different phone companies. You've got disconnectivity everywhere. Cell phones disconnected. Whose fault is it when it disconnects? What capacity do the lines have? How many people can listen? I mean, it's very complex. And nevertheless, we hope to make gains in this area for our listeners. And so I wanted to kind of announce that and make sure people kind of were aware. The U.S. has now armed the Taliban to the teeth with latest U.S. military hardware. Ah. <sighs> Do you want to just start there, Eldon? Uh, does that sound like a good idea to you? <laughs> um, I don't think we should be arming any nation. Well, yeah, especially the Taliban. I mean, those those guys are uh, uh, not good, as we know. But how does all this happen? Who uh, who authorized this? That's uh, one of the things that uh, I always point out to folks is. Boy, if you put 
the ability to go to war in the hand of the executive, the founding fathers of our nation knew that that was a recipe for disaster. And they looked back on history and they said, you know what, we don't want that to happen. We want to put the power to go to war in the hands of the people that are most accountable, most directly accountable to the people, and that is Congress. Now, we get a lot of bad uh, criticism about Congress. Congress is doing plenty of bad things. But if you think about the consequences of that, of putting the power in the hands of the president versus Congress, uh, well, here's the uh, even Abraham Lincoln, who uh, he, he didn't uh, follow through on his uh, – his philosophy on this, but he did point out that um, it, it's a bad idea to put that power into the hands of the president because the president is always willing to go to war. That's very tempting for the president. It's uh, unlimited power, basically, uh, like a king would have. And uh, our founding fathers didn't want the president to be a king. Ladies and gentlemen, this is important to understand the war powers. Uh, in America and the constitutional provisions protecting us from going to unconstitutional, immoral, uh, unjust war. Uh, and that's why the founding fathers said, let's put it in the hands of the most amount of people that are representative closest to the people. And that's why the House of Representatives has such a charge in that regard, uh, because they answer directly to we the people. And that puts the most people involved in the decision to go to war or not. And if we do go to war, the details surrounding what will be our objectives to accomplish. Uh, if we're going to go, here's what we're going to do, and we're going to get done, and we're going to come back. Okay, Those objectives become very nebulous indeed. Those goalposts and milestones become very, very, very vague and confusing if you let a single man like an executor, a president, make these decisions, go to war, stay in a war. We've got these unconstitutional undeclared wars that have been going on for literally decades and what they want you to do is believe that just joe you know joe screwed the pooch on this thing joe just blew it man it was all good until joe you know if it was under donald it would have been way better way different okay that's where the lies continue in my opinion going in in the first place under the george bush scenario after 9-11 was the mistake coming out isn't the mistake now how we come out could have been done better i'm not defending Joe Biden, but Biden says, quote, no way to get out of Afghanistan without chaos. Now, do you agree with him on that? Well, to some degree, I do. Mm. You cannot go into a war that's unjust, that you ought to not be in in the first place, and then at some point extract yourself without it being uh, difficult and problematic. Now, just because I agree with Joe that, hey, you can never get out of an unjust war justly, in other words, it's never going to make sense. So there's chaos. I also still think Joe went about it all wrong, and there could have been a much better way. We have over 15,000 people still stuck in Afghanistan, and really, um, you know, Joe's just wringing his hands going, golly, I hope we can do something to help y'all. And others are critical saying we're leaving people behind and all these different things. But again, it's, 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 it's bad how we got out of it. I agree. We, should have, we could have got about it a lot better. But in the end of the day, though, can you really blame it on Joe? See, I think that's a misstep. I think that's a Republican, uh, Democrat, partisan divide that's, that's, that's not helpful at all. 
What is helpful is to understand our foreign policy from a founding father-esque point of view and what we ought to be doing today to secure the stability of the United States of America, protecting her from enemies foreign and domestic, Eldon. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, one little insight from uh, the father of our Constitution, James Madison, he, he said, of all the enemies of public liberty, war is perhaps the most to be dreaded because it comprises and develops the germ of every other. War is the parent of armies, from these proceed debt and taxes, known instruments for bringing the many under the dominion of the few. No nation could preserve its freedom in the midst of continual warfare. Isn't that a description of the war on terror? Just continual See, but say warfare? that again because I think that's so poignant for its reality. Listen to the wording again. Say it again, Ellen. Oh, right at the end. Uh, no nation could preserve its freedom in the midst of continual warfare. So we've had continual warfare for the last 20 years, ladies and gentlemen, and you see on the other side of that coin freedom in America taking a serious tank, melting down. How much freedom do you have now compared to 20 years ago? And it is shocking how much liberty we've really lost in these, quote, undeclared wars where we chase people uh, around into their own lands and wage un ending war right because even if we get out of the quote afghanistan or taliban scenario we're still at over 130 nations militarily speaking around the world right now eldon that's right that's right and much of that is because of our involvement in the united nations and its regional arrangement nato and uh one one thing we should realize is uh we have never congress has never declared war since 1945 with germany and uh, one big reason for that is in December of 1945, um, excuse me, 1941 with Germany, but in December 1945 is when the United Nations Participation Act was passed. Uh, Section 6 of that says that the president does not need authorization from Congress to basically go to war uh, to enforce decisions of the Security Council of the United Nations in the name of peacekeeping operations. Uh, very similar thing goes on with NATO, where, where uh, Article 5 of that treaty obligates the United States to go to war if any of the members of NATO are attacked. Uh, basically, that means that um, Macedonia or some little place that we don't have anything to do with all of a sudden becomes our business and we're obligated to spend blood and treasure to defend their nation in some dispute that's been going on for thousands of years. Um, but that's all with the United Nations. So the great argument for getting us out of the United Nations, and that would uh, part of that would be returning the ability to decide on war and peace to Congress and save, save tons of blood and treasure. Now, it's important to understand, ladies and gentlemen, the problem with the League of Nations eventually becoming the United Nations and this whole scenario of, quote, regional and or global governance, uh, where the many defend the one at all costs, regardless of the realities of war and, and peace and negotiations and everything else. The problem with that general scenario is that it undermines the sovereignty of the United States of America and our supreme law. Our supreme law of the land, the Constitution defines who, what, when, where, how, right? The checks and balances are clear. Congress has the power, not the president, Congress. 
because of that, they have no. the purse strings, they have the budget. They have, okay, but when you jettison that and replace it with this quote international, you know, whatever you want to call them, treaties and everything else that, that in my opinion, undermine the sovereignty of that's what we're really talking about. And every time our sovereignty is undermined, we find ourselves in quagmires that are unsustainable. They're bloody. They're tyrannical. They're unjust. When we come back. We'll talk more with Eldon Stahl, thenewamerican.com, on your radio. Exposing corruption. Informing citizens. Pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. Senior Taliban Commander Wahid al-Hashimi on Wednesday laid out the foundation of how Afghanistan will be governed since taking Kabul. He says there will be an Islamic government with Sharia law and no democratic system at all. Wind-driven wildfires raged Wednesday through the mountains of Northern California near and around Grizzly Flats, California. That's between Sacramento and Carson City, Nevada. The fires have burnt hundreds of homes, forcing thousands of people to flee to safety. The Caldor Fire continued to grow in the Sierra Nevada mountains, southwest of Lake Tahoe, covering 84 square miles on Wednesday. The Dow Jones Industrial Average fell 382 points Wednesday as the Federal Reserve meeting minutes from July suggest the central bank could be tapering its asset purchases this year. Tapering is the reduction of a rate at which a central bank accumulates new assets on its balance sheet. USA Radio News. I'm looking forward to a play date with my granddaughter. Nana! <laughs> I can't wait to get together with my friends for a backyard barbecue. If you're 65 or older, you're starting to get back to doing things you love. Did you know even healthy adults 65 and older are at increased risk for pneumococcal pneumonia? It's a potentially serious bacterial lung disease that can disrupt your life for weeks. Help protect yourself with the Prevnar 13 pneumococcal 13 valent conjugate vaccine, diphtheria CRM197 protein. Prevnar 13 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 13 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 13 does not protect against all strains of the disease. Ask your doctor or pharmacist today about Prevnar 13. Learn more at Prevnar13.com. Don't get Prevnar 13 if you have had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with a weakened immune system may have a lower response to the vaccine. The most commonly reported side effect was pain at the injection site. For additional common side effects and full prescribing information, please call 1-866-694-9300 or visit Prevnar13.com. The Biden administration is saying vaccinated Americans will need more vaccine shots. Dan Araki from the Ohio USA Radio News Bureau explains. Health officials recommended COVID booster shots Wednesday for those who have been fully vaccinated to shore up their protection against the coronavirus. The plan calls for a third shot eight months after people receive their second dose of the Pfizer or Moderna vaccines. Dr. Anthony Fauci says that a booster shot would increase the protection from the vaccines tenfold. The chief White House medical advisor tells CBS News that he believes one booster shot should be enough to maintain maintain high levels of protection against the virus. I would doubt if we're going to need many boosters when we try to find out the breadth and the depth of the response by a booster. It is really extraordinary. It goes up by multiple fold, at least 20 to 30 fold. So we don't anticipate that beyond this, we're going to need anything else. From the USA Radio News Ohio Bureau, I'm Dan Naraki. 1,001 deaths from COVID complications were reported in America and our territories on Wednesday. USA Radio News. On your radio with Eldon Stahl, ladies and gentlemen, John Burt, Society Field Coordinator in my area. JBS.org, thenewamerican.com. The New American has been prolific in their writing over the last 
several decades about the origins of communism, the evils of war. I mean, topic after topic after topic, they just do a phenomenal, in-depth reporting job, thenewamerican.com. But the U.S. has now armed the Taliban to the teeth, ladies and gentlemen, all kinds of military hardware. Uh, It's disaster. We can blame it on Joe, but that's a foolish mistake as well. I blame it on both sides for a long time. And I really blame it on this uh, idea, no way to get out of Afghanistan without chaos, says Biden, Washington Examiner. Um, You know, I understand to some degree he's right, but to some degree we should have never been there in the first place. And really going back and understanding our humble foreign policy of our founding era uh, and highlighting folks such as Ron Paul and a few others who have really doubled down in modern times articulating this humble foreign policy, um, this avoid foreign entanglement doctrine, if you will, that George Washington was so famous for, uh, Eldon, is really instructive. And I think Americans right now, they just don't know. They're just like, well, we got to fight evil over there, by golly, so that it doesn't come over here. And, you know, when you see on TV, can't you see that face of evil? We can't do nothing. And, and they deceive themselves into this, this scenario that has endless perpetual unjust war to it. Whereas we step back and look at the fundamentals of, of honesty, the fundamentals of, of solutions and peace and defense of one's nation, pretty soon you, you achieve the moral high ground and have this understanding that supersedes the latest crisis of the day, sir. Yeah, and, and you talk about... Uh... Uh, Congressman Ron Paul, very good example. He proposed letters of mark and reprisal, which basically means uh, hiring hitmen to go after the people that uh, perpetrated the 9/11 attacks and uh, ho- and just uh, you know hold them accountable. <laughs> nice way of saying it, uh, but rather than having an unending war. Uh, but what Congress decided to do instead, they passed, um, uh, let's see, Public Law 107-40, and it said the president is authorized to use all necessary and appropriate forces against those nations, uh, blah, 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 that aided the terrorist attacks that occurred in 9-11. Uh, but it also says that he determines planned, and that he determines is basically a blank check uh, if you compare that to the declaration of war against Germany, 1941, it says the president is hereby authorized and directed to deploy the entire naval and military forces of the United States to carry on war against the gov- government of Germany. Uh, so very different. Yes, they're both authorized, but in declaration of war, the president is um directed so who is in charge it's congress the people most um most uh amenable to us uh the people most accountable and uh that war didn't go on forever it was uh i think some argue it went on longer than it should have but still congress insisted that it uh it be brought to a conclusive end which it was and uh, and that's that's what happened there Uh, resurrecting letters of mark and reprisal to address modern threats. Congress, ladies and gentlemen, shall have power to declare war, grant letters of mark and reprisal, 
and make rules concerning captures on land and on water is the general kind of an idea here in the Constitution. And this is what Rand, uh, Ron Paul and Rand uh, and others have been speaking about for quite some time. I've been speaking about it, too. We don't need to go to these full war scenarios. Right now, what I think we should do is use market reprisal against the Taliban, uh, where, you know what, you're going to let our people leave the country peacefully. And if you don't, we're going to go ahead and take serious measures to ensure that, you know what, there are repercussions. Uh, and, and so I, I don't think we ought to go to full-scale war. I don't think we're, it's justifiable. I don't think we should have been there in the first place. However, I do believe appropriate market reprisal and uh, dealing with you know the land and the, and, and the sea, the waters, uh, to make sure that we can uh, ensure the safety of our people is essential. And I don't think we should leave people behind. It's wrong that we are there. How we left was, was a, a misstep for sure. But there are ways to use market reprisal to ensure the safe return of our people. And that I think we should be all about. But you don't hear anything about it in the media, uh, Eldon, at all, do you? Yeah, and that concept is rarely taught in the schools. It's off, if it's brought up at all, it's uh, this is something that was done in the past, but uh, uh, we don't do that anymore. Uh, so that's the idea of the progressives that somehow over time the Constitution can be changed without going through the formal amendment process. Uh, but, but yeah, uh, that would have been the appropriate thing to do instead under the Bush administration. Uh, okay, well, I guess we went off, over uh, after the Taliban and eventually uh, Osama bin Laden was killed, at least we're told. Uh, but it morphed into, well, uh, now we need to rebuild Afghanistan. We need to make the country into this liberty-loving place. Uh, we need to train their police and their military and uh, on and on and build their roads and bridges and their gas stations and all these things. Um, and, of course, that didn't work. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, you know, presidents, if they're given a blank check, they're going to take it. They're going to constantly give excuses as to why the war should continue. And... It takes a lot to turn that around. 20 years, apparently, of, uh, of just sacrificing blood and treasure for the people to demand that uh, the war end. Uh, perhaps we can learn something from that. Perhaps we can learn something. Perhaps we can learn a different tact. That's why we're proposing the resurrection of or the bringing back of these market reprisal ideas. Uh, that Ron Paul was so eloquent about talking about in modern times. The Founding Fathers used Mark and Reprisal appropriately uh, as well. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, resurrecting these letters of Mark and Reprisal can address modern threats. It can uh, keep peace around the world. It can set America up to defend uh, her nation and her people. Uh, and, and these are, uh, but I don't hear anybody explaining them, talking about them, proposing the use of them. Uh, but I think even in getting our people out and bringing our people back to safety, I think that these could be used very effectively to accomplish that goal. Well, sure. Yeah, that would be a very appropriate use of the United States military to protect American citizens, American property, and things of that nature. Unfortunately, now, uh, the for, for whatever reason, the military has uh, allowed all these armaments to fall into the hands of, um, admittedly, people that are would be our enemies, and not use the military to rescue civilians that uh, you know should be rescued. It's a, it's a terrible thing. But these are the fruits of, uh, of disregarding the wise uh, counsel of our founding fathers in the name of some sort of uh, you know 
great greater good or whatever people want to sell it as. It's uh, it's very unfortunate. But uh, if we don't learn these things, we're going to have more uh, more scenarios like this. It's going to be, cost us dearly. Uh, so we, we better learn them. Biden says troops will stay in Afghanistan until all Americans are evacuated. I appreciate that. Uh, they say the, tele- the Taliban have agreed to allow safe passage from Afghanistan for civilians struggling to join the United States again. Do you have confidence? Is this going to be an easy extraction? Or do we have the greatest hostage situation the world's ever known, Eldon? Well, do we have an actual plan to carry that out? It seems like the military has been withdrawn pretty well, and, and uh, it's a little hard to get civilians out if, if the uh, hostile people have a bunch of armaments that we left behind. That seems like a, a difficult situation to me. Yeah, I don't think we have a plan in place. That's why I'm proposing the market reprisal uh, discussion, as you wisely brought up. Uh, that's why I'm proposing there, there are solutions. But the answer isn't just for the president, for Joe, whacked out Joe to act unilaterally and be like, hey, I'm going to have my troops there until everybody gets out. And we need to go back to the fundamental way Congress works, back to the fundamental checks and balances of America. And, and Congress needs to sit down as a group and say, hey. What do we need to do with the greatest hostage situation in America now? You've got 15,000-plus people stuck in a country with a tyrannical, terrorist-type organization at the helm in control who have, uh, what do you want to call it, sequestered or acquiesced our hardware to the point where now they're armed to the teeth because of us, and we've created this massive crisis. Now, what is Congress's solution to resolve this problem? And once they give him direction whether it be market reprisal, whatever else, once there's guidance and funding for that guidance, then the president can carry out those directions via the checks and balances of the Constitution that Congress gives him to remedy the situation. But I don't see any of those fundamentals being put in place at all. When we come back, I want Elder to talk about that a little bit because that, that to me, is the problem. We're just going from crisis to crisis, and we're running around, uh, what, like a chicken with our head cut off? We don't have any direction or guidance or checks or balances or stability or or accountability at all. You're listening to the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live. Can a nation conceived in liberty carry its head high if it denies protection to the youngest and most vulnerable of its citizens? Can a country founded on God-given rights continue to thrive without understanding that life is a precious gift from our Creator? As a physician, I have looked into the eyes of one-pound babies. I have cradled their small bodies in the palm of one hand. I defy those who are careless, who would disregard life and look at these tiny little miracles and say, we're not going to protect that. But I believe there will come a time when we are all judged on whether or not we took a stand in defense of all life from the moment of conception until our last natural breath. One thing I promise you, I will always take a stand for life. As a parent, is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? 
Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character. For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental, where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's Advanced Distance Education Program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen, Sam Bushman, Eldon Stahl. The reason that it's so important to discuss this is we need to go back to fundamentals. Right now, we got Biden running around like a chicken with his head cut off, just going, ah, I guess we're going to keep people in there. We're going to keep the troops there until we get everybody out. And, hey, that we're going to rely on the Taliban for safe passage. Never mind, we gave them a gazillion dollars worth of military hardware to go ahead and carry out their tyranny and everything else. And the Taliban fighters, they say, are going door-to-door in Kabul. Searching for female journalists. I mean, this is disaster, ladies and gentlemen. Now, but again, unless we go back to fundamentals for solutions, I don't think we're going to be better, any better off with the latest decisions and or changes and or responses um, as we've hitherto had, Eldon. No, this, this is just kind of a continuing disaster. Uh, but it was kind of a, something waiting to happen. It's just a matter of when. It would happen because it, there wasn't any real um, concrete plan. You know, like, uh, well, I know I alluded to the uh, declaration of war against Germany at the end of it. It says, and to bring the conflict to a successful termination. There wasn't anything like that with the war on terror and the authorization to use military force from 2001. It was just the president just does whatever he wants, if he, whatever he thinks is necessary. And that morphed into all kinds of excuses of why we should still be there. And now it's going to be the same thing unless the Congress actually, and Congress doesn't act until we, the people, insist that they put their foot down and say, we need to end this. We need to end this in a successful way, in a defined way, in a way that's going to benefit the most people. Um, It might not be pretty because we've gone about things the wrong way. Uh, here up till now, but we're going to at least minimize the damage rather than just say, well, we're going to let the administration figure it out and give them all the blame for whenever something goes wrong. Afghanistan war, ladies and gentlemen, question for you. What is the future of the nation after Taliban takeover? What's the future of that nation? Right, and ladies and gentlemen, unless we go back to fundamentals, I say that the the outlook looks bleak, ladies and gentlemen. And the reason I say that is the communist Chinese now are basically saying, hey, we're going to back the Taliban. We're going to recognize the Taliban. Well, wait a minute. We can't even recognize Taiwan. Okay, what about Cuba in our backyard? Okay, we've got these fundamental issues, and now that we've lost the moral high ground and lost this, quote, battle, that we should have never been in in the first place. 
Um, on the world stage, um, America is being pointed to as the belligerent, out-of-control, hegemonist nation. Um, and uh, they're looked at really as the world's enemy now, undermining everybody everywhere, every time, all the time, uh, since, what, the CIA coups of 1953 stuff. This has been going on for a long time, 70-plus years. And now what does the future look like? Uh, on this stage and and i've got two scenarios we can talk about in a second but eldon i want you to respond to that first what do you think the future looks like uh sounds like uh it's going to go the way that uh that iraq went uh democracy <laughs> was brought to iraq uh the majority rule but there you know and in true democracy really there's no limit on that power and the powers that had been fighting under saddam hussein were uh, different factions of the, um, the Islamic faith. Uh, one was more radical than the other, and that and more numerous. It won out after Saddam was gone to stop them from killing off. Uh, Saddam was there basically. He wasn't great, of course, but he stopped them from uh, killing off each other too much, and um, and that's that's what happened there. Now it's uh, dominated by a, a radical Muslim type of thing uh and they uh oppress the minorities uh that's just seems like going to happen in afghanistan uh, democracy has triumphed but it's not exactly uh what many people think of as democracy it's uh the oppression of the uh of the majority the dictatorship i see two futures in the world and that is if we continue on our current trajectory, which is we're going to back the military-industrial complex. We're going to back the president, a single man, just unilaterally doing whatever the heck he wants. Uh, backing this idea that we're going to work with, quote, global governance and global decision makers to decide uh, our peacekeeping, quote, agendas. I see a very, very difficult world full of turmoil, confusion, anger, hatred, and I really see this um, principle that Ron Paul highlighted from the CIA, very well documented, called blowback. And this principle is that when you meddle in the affairs of other nations, eventually you get this anger, this hatred, this vitriol against you because, you know what, they resent your breaching of their sovereignty. They resent whether you agree or disagree with their government styles or their ways of handling things internally. And they resent it so bad that where blowback becomes the default, the way of life, the reality check. Uh, and, and so I predict if we continue on this, letting the president act unilaterally, violating our laws, using international, quote, cabals for the agenda, uh, backing the military-industrial complex, I see a very evil world full of terrorism and turmoil and destruction and more war, not less, just ramping up continual war, increasing in size and scope and focus and because that's what the money changers, that's what the global elite, that's what the military-industrial complex loves. And on the ashes of funding both sides of and promoting these wars, these unjust, immoral wars, you end up with these um, tyrannical agendas that they love to control the people with. That's one scenario that I think is probably likely to be the case for Afghanistan, for the Taliban, for other countries around the world who are left to their own devices under the abuse of and the provocateur agenda of the United States and other, quote, allied partners, if you will. Uh, whereas what I really see should be the case, and it's a crossroads, it's a very fundamental turn to morality, to a just constitutional system. 
in where we would say we are not going to be engaged in foreign entanglements. We are going to defend America, for sure, from enemies foreign and domestic. And we are going to use our resources to defend America, and we're going to set ourselves up as a beacon on a hill, a Christian nation on a hill, a light unto the world of, you know what? Here's the document that we use, the supreme law of our land, full of checks and balances. And the reason that we have these checks and balances is to make sure that no individual land or group gains too much power. And we are going to chain down any attempts at immoral, unconstitutional, provocateur-style war. And we're going to chain them down and stop that by honest money, constitutional currency. Uh, you can't spend yourselves into oblivion when you have real money to account for. There's nobody to write the check and, uh, what, pay themselves later kind of a thing. All right, and so you you chain them down and you demand accountability. All 435 members of the House should be saying, hey, how are we going to get our people out of Afghanistan safely? President, you should be waiting with bated breath on exactly how we're going to tell you to get this done. We're going to go to the American people, we the House of Representatives, the people that we're closest to, and get guidance and direction. We're going to put together some plans, and we're going to put together a plan of execution. And this execution plan is not only the current crisis salute or um, solution, but it's going to be a go-forward plan of how we're going to be dealing with the world. We're going to avoid foreign entanglements. We're going to double down in defense of the checks and balances. We're going to make sure that if we do have a, a reason, we're not going to reach beyond the mark. We're going to use mark and reprise on a lot of these less than a declaration of war solutions. And we are going to start to tell the world that we're not a hegemonist nation. We're not a nation-building nation. We are, not a, we are a humble nation that lives according to precepts of principle, of checks and balances, of honor, and we are a light on a hill to teach you to do the same. You have your own struggles, nations, but we will not breach your sovereignty, but we will provide a clarion call for peace. We provide a, a guideline for solutions that has a time-tested reality check of working well when obeyed when honored, when carried out with fidelity. And this is our message to the world. I see those two as the only real scenarios. I, I, I pray we're going to go for the former. I'm sorry, I, I'm fearful we're going to go for the former. I pray we back the latter. Eldon? Uh, so well said, Sam. Yeah, that's uh, really uh, the only sensible foreign policy we can have. Uh, now, whether or not that happens is really up to you and me. It's really up to us whether we demand that it happens and whether we uh, organize and uh, support uh, ideas and candidates, people to go to Congress and carry that out. Uh, if not, we're certainly going to see uh, more situations like this, uh, kind of the bad news side of it. But, but this can be turned around. It can be turned around, and Congress really is the key. We've emphasized that for uh, for many years with uh, with the John Birch Society. If you if you organize uh, even 500 people at the congressional district level, you can turn around your congressional uh, seat to be constitution loving, and that's a, a very much a, a doable thing. Educating the people, organizing, and uh, insisting that these sound principles are established in Congress again. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not something that, you know, some people kind of believe this is just pie in the sky so far from reality discussions. I don't think so. 
I don't think so. I think we can influence our congressmen and our senators. I think we can influence those who, um, you know, serve us. That, you know what, there is a better way. There are solutions on the table. We don't have to be given to this international body of, of manipulators. We don't have to have the president just act unilaterally. We can have wisdom and counsel. That's the congressional House representatives working together under the direction of we the people, uh, taking their direction from we the people. How do we best deal with the Taliban right now? In my opinion, we ought to spend our time uh, destroying a lot of the military hardware in that country that we've given them. We also need to spend our time getting people out of there. And once we can get this wrapped up, we need to stay away from these foreign entanglements and start to uh, get out of this nation-building agenda. Start to ratchet down how many nations we're in, militarily speaking. Why do we need to be everywhere? We don't. This idea that if we're everywhere, it's going to keep us safe at home isn't true. Uh, And so we really need to lean on our congressmen and senators and teach them the principles. And if they're willing to carry them out on our behalf, great. If not, we need to find somebody else to do so. And again, you know, you say, well, Sam, that's not doable. And my response is this. If we the people can't be counted on to carry out our republic and we think somebody else is going to do it for us without our engagement, our involvement, you are going to be ignorant and never have liberty because liberty depends on eternal vigilance. It depends on educated people involved. It depends on turning to God Almighty for the moral high ground. It depends on all those things. And if you jettison the fundamentals behind the success, success will forever be elusive. Eldon? Yeah, that's right. Nobody's going to do it unless we do it. We've got to take responsibility and say, you know what, let's get our kids out of the government schools that are teaching some of these falsehoods about foreign policy and and so many other things. Uh, Let's educate ourselves. Let's educate others. Um, I'll make a plug for the the Constitution is a solution. <laughs> Get that from the John Birch Society. Watch it. You can watch it online, too. Um, teach it up to yourselves, to others, and uh, we can restore America. JBS.org, thenewamerican.com, Eldon Stahl. Thank you so much, sir. We'll chat soon. Thank you so much, Sam. You betcha. Ladies and gentlemen, there is hope. Never forget it. Stand on hope. Stand on the future. Stand on doing all that you can do and trusting in God Almighty for the rest. We declare this nation shall endure. LibertyRoundTable.com, LovingLiberty.net. Spread the word, will you please? God save the Republic of the United States of America. <laughs>